across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyven, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. Have you ever lost a listing? Have you ever just kind of gotten kicked in the stomach because you felt sure that you got a listing and uh, the rapport was incredible and then they call and tell you they listed with somebody else or even worse, they send you an email and tell you they've chosen someone else. It hurts, man. I know it's happened to me tons of times and I hated it. And um, so because of that, I created a product called a certified listing agent. I got the eight top listing agents in the world and recorded their listing appointments. Everything, no holds barred, no secrets here, everything. And then after each listing appointment, we uh, discussed it and uh, created a course out of it. It's uh, over 10 hours of intense uh, video and it's for you to watch and never lose a listing again. Check it out. There's a lot of free samples. You can go in and see kind of what it's like before you uh, sign up for it. Uh, RebusUniversity.com. We also got the the uh, highly popular CTA, Certified Team Agent with Jeff Cohn. And that is how to build a massive team. How Jeff went from 80 to 580 units in four years. And uh, what he does behind the scenes. What forms he uses. How his systems are run. Everything on the CTA, Certified Team Agent. And many things to come. If, you, if you're interested, go to uh, rebusuniversity.com. Put yourself on the mailing list there. Uh, we have a price reduction course. We have a 101 ways to get uh, real estate leads for free. We have an ISA course coming out, uh, a lead handling course, not, not how to lead generate. There's, there's a ton of courses that other people do on that, but this is how to efficiently capture leads and work with them. So uh, they have a couple of courses coming out on that aspect. So anyways, RebusUniversity.com. Check it out, guys. You'll be glad you did. Now on uh, with the show. Okay, Rockstar Nation. Boy, we have a great guest today coming from New York City. I got Andrew Barocas on the phone from MNS, and he is the founder and the CEO there, and he's all things real estate, and we are going to dig into some deep stuff about New York City real estate, but also about similar ways you can learn from Andrew and apply it to your local market. So, Andrew, welcome to Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks so much for having me, Pat. Hey, uh, why don't you uh, give us a little bio on yourself, Andrew, so we can get to know you better. Sure. So uh, my name is Andrew Brokus. I'm the CEO and founder of a company called M&S. We've been around for about 10 years. I uh, started off as a real estate agent at a, a large local brokerage company here. I um, shortly after, I would say I was an agent for about a year, and then um, I went into management for the company. And then uh, about four years later, I opened up my own company and uh, began my career. Uh, currently, we uh, have about 100 people in the company. 
We uh, represent about 10,000 units in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens. And uh, we're one of the uh, premier new development companies uh, representing uh, properties anywhere from five units to 1,200 units is our largest project in, uh, in, in New York. Wow. And when you say represent, you mean you provide the sales and marketing for developers and builders who are, are building apartments. Is that an easy way correct. to say it? Yeah. Correct. Plus leasing. Uh, we do leasing for, um, for developers as well. We, we, we do the pre-development planning. Uh, we're involved in early inception of a, of a new construction project or conversion uh, where we're dictating the unit mix, the layout, who the demographic is, who we should be targeting, uh, what level of finish we should be putting in that, in that property um, in order to be able to achieve our goals. So we're working with a developer during acquisition of a, of a, of a development site all the way to completion where we're staffing the project, either leasing it or selling it, you know, when it's completed. That's awesome. That's great. So I'm sure your world of knowledge of what is selling now and what is not selling now and, and with the industry out there now with so much remodeling, flipping, new home starts, you know, uh, rising again, what are today's consumers buying and leasing? So, you know, I, I guess it depends on what, what part of the market um, you're specifically talking about. But, um, you know, I would say that, you know, what we call affordable luxury is, uh, is still moving. And, and that's, you know, in our world is anywhere from 1000 to $2,000 a square foot. Uh, so that market is still pretty active. The ultra luxury side of the market, there's definitely been some slowdown. Um, you know, in my opinion and, and most people's, uh, it's a little overbuilt. And, you know, just too much product, not enough, um, you know, demand in that marketplace right now. So uh, the upper end part of the market has slowed down, uh, but there is still demand in the, uh, you know, I would say, you know, 1 million to 5 million in Manhattan and anywhere from 500,000 to call it $2 million market in both Brooklyn and Queens. The upper part of the, the markets, um, the price point, um, when, you, when you reach two to $3 million and $3 million over um, in the boroughs, Brooklyn and Queens, uh, that, that market has also, um, you know, slowed down. And, and, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily as much the economy as just um, the demand in the marketplace. There's more inventory um, than, than units closing on an annual basis. So, you know, we, we as a company do a lot of reporting. Uh, we're the leading um, market report, you know, source here in New York. Uh, so we, we like to dive into the information when we're advising a developer on, on exactly what they should be building, um, who the demographic is, how big that market is, um, just to ensure that, uh, you know, we're, we're building into, into the right market. Now, it's interesting what you said when you say affordable luxury. And other than simple price points, is it safe to say that a lot of affordable luxury is simply taking luxurious elements of a very large place and putting them in a much smaller place or a smaller place? Um, no, I mean, what, what we consider to be, you know, your affordable luxury, you know, I, I, I like to define it that way because, you know, um, you know, in most parts of the market or most parts of the country, you know, a thousand plus dollars a foot puts you in the, you know, the ultra luxury side of the market where in here in New York, 
you know, it's kind of below a thousand is is you know really non-existent in in New York. Um, and then, you know, that thousand to 2000 is kind of that, that middle market and 2000 and over is the upper part of the market. So, you know, I like to just define it like that just so people could, could kind of, yeah, but do you see a trend, I guess is what I'm getting at. Do you see a trend in people not valuing space as much, but still valuing the amenities? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we definitely see a big movement. We deal with a lot of the, you know, millennial generation and, and, and they're certainly looking for, you know, more community-like features in a building. Um, and, and we're certainly building them into the younger, uh, you know, rental demographic. Uh, we're building those, um, you know, amenities to really become more communal and, and bring that community living with inside inside the buildings. But, you know, I guess it, it it's a broad question. Um, you know, it could it could differ depending on who the target demographic that we're, that we're targeting is. Um, but, but certainly for the younger demographic, um, you know, we're, we are building smaller unit units um, to really hit, you know, the, the price points in, in those different neighborhoods. Uh, so it just depends on, on, on what the property is, who the demographic is and who we're targeting. Um, and, and that's a lot of where our value comes into play is because mm. we're advising a developer on, you know, how much he could, you know, or she could get in that particular demographic or in that particular market, um, targeting, you know, this demographic, the highest and best use. So you'll take the, you'll take that neighborhood or that block and say, you know, here, I think you should go for millennials. We're here. Another place you're not going to go for millennials. You might go baby boom in that, uh, in that area. What, what's your, what's your opinion on micro units? Um, I'm a big believer in them. Once again, you know, especially in markets like New York, where you know the entry to the the entry point is so high, um, I'm a big believer in them. You know, we've been building small, tight units for a long time. Um, we figured out ways to build them extremely efficient. Um, you know, so we, you know, we're we're certainly big believers. Quite a few of my clients are testing the market um, with micro apartments, and you know, I think it will will definitely be something that. Um, you hear a lot more about in the future. I, I know that several projects have done it in New York. They've been extremely successful, um, have yielded some of the highest price per foot of, of any building. Mm. Uh, so so we, we really are, are firm believers. And, and once again, it just gets into that price point. If you could build a 300 square foot apartment and you're in the $80 a foot range, you're coming in at $2,000 um, you know, a unit. And, you know, that translates well for your, you know, your starting salary of eighty dollars to $100,000 here in New York. Yeah. And so some of your developers that are doing the micro units now, let's say they are three hundred, and let's say they're, they're efficiency units, right? Can you, can you kind of describe them? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, you know, typically, you know, you're looking at, you know, 12 by, by 25, um, you know, ish, you know, in terms of, in terms of size, um, you know, so, you know, we're just building tight, efficient units. Um, you have the you know, beds coming out of the walls and the, and the doing Murphy beds, you know, more integrated type systems inside desks there coming out of the walls to, to accommodate for additional storage. You know, these are things that, you know, in New York, we've been doing for a long time just because our spaces have always been small. So, so we've always geared towards the smaller side. So we've always, you know, look for, you know, additional places um, to store and, and, and make additional storage in, in um, you know, with furniture and custom millwork that we've done before. So, you know, it's really about efficiency when you get into these units and, and finding, you know, how to use every, every inch. But, 
you know, I, I would like to say that, you know, here in New York, we're definitely, you know, more efficient and, and more uh, um, accustomed to using every square inch. What do you feel, uh, you know, will happen uh, with other major metro areas with regards to micro units? Because, you know, they're not everywhere. Some people say they won't be everywhere. Others are saying, yes, you know, it's, a, it's the millennials. They're coming. You might as well put them in any well-populated area. What's your thought on that? I think you have to hit certain price points as you go into, you know, um, you know, the big cities, you know, you got to, you know, accommodate to what the price point is. And if you're looking to accommodate, you know, millennials and, you know, they're, they're, they're starting their careers, um, you know, you want to, you want to, you know, build product that'll, that'll fit what they're, what they're looking for. Um, you know, so you've got to make it, you know, vary from city to city, but, you know, I know in New York, if you could build accommodations that, um, are anywhere from 18 to $2,000 a month, it's extremely appealing to the younger demographic. So, you know, I think it's price points in each of the markets. I think certain markets it won't work as well for, um, just cause the prices of, of entry are, are a lot less. And, you know, why would you, you know, I mean, I guess just even asking that question, why would you want to live um, in a small space if you could live in a bigger one? But maybe the answer is, is that you're within a community or it's just a way to save money where the cost of living is still, you know, regardless of what market you're in, it still makes up a large percentage of people's income. So if you give people the ability in another in other cities, um, you know, to have that type of accommodations, maybe it could work. So interesting. Um, okay. Would, would you, let's talk a little bit about New York city in general with the real estate market there. Would you say the New York city real estate market is above the 2007 peak? Yes. Um, in, in a lot of instances, yes, we've exceeded those that, the, that mark. Um, and, um, how much, by 10%, 20%. And this is as far as value, like price per square foot, let's say. Um, I mean, in certain, in certain parts of the market, it's double. In other areas, it's, wow. it's just, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit more, um, you know, but it, as twice overall, as high as it was. Twice. Not, not overall. Um, in right, not overall. But if you bought a million dollar house at the peak of the market, a million dollar apartment at the peak of the market, 2007, 2008, in some areas, it's worth 2 million. Correct. Wow. Uh, and, and so what do you think about that? Um, I think we're the greatest city. And, uh, <laughs> and that's going to keep, do you think it's going to keep going or do you think it's, uh, you know, do you think, you know, what advice would you give somebody that's uh, thinking about developing a massive product there? Would you tell them that, Hey, you know, you might want to not be so aggressive um, or, or, um, no, I would just tell you to understand what you're building, what your comp, your competitors are doing, um, understand the marketplace, you know, make sure you could differentiate yourself, um, make sure that you're not underwriting to, you know, numbers that aren't achievable. I would make sure that, you know, the numbers could be achieved today, even if you're building in two, three years from now, you know, typically banks will allow you to increase your rents or projected, you know, pricing for a condo. Um, X amount of dollars. I, I wouldn't be um, increasing at that amount right now with the market being the way it is. But, um, you know, there's still a lot of money to be made in, in the New York market. Um, you know, with with change brings opportunity. So, um, mm. 
you know, we're looking forward to, um, you know, what 2017 brings. And uh, we look forward to uh, another great year. Yeah, yeah. What effect is the Trump presidency going to have, do you think, on the New York real estate market? I think at the end of the day, it's going to have a positive impact. I think there's, you know, the uncertainty from some people. But um, I think if you look and see how the markets have, have jumped back, you know, have, have rebounded, um, you know, even since a little dip, um, you know, after the announcement, I, I think overall it'll be positive for the New York market um, as well as the real estate market as a whole. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, there's definitely some downside, you know, to the new presidency, but um I think overall, the you know we are um, you know very positive about it. But nothing hyper local in in reason. Meaning, um, you're talking just in general, the general economies. I mean, for New York City, because he because he does develop in New York City, and because he you know is known for New York City real estate. Is that going to help? Do you think you'll have more foreign investors saying, "Oh, you know, the president owns in New York City. You know, yeah. maybe we yeah. should too." Or no, I mean, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, he's, his name is on a lot of stuff. Um, you know, he was developing, you know, quite some time ago. Um, you know, most of what he's doing now is, is, is different than, than the, the residential or commercial world that, that I play in. You know, when I think of New York real estate, I don't necessarily think of, of, of Donald Trump. Um, but I think as, as a overall, as a whole, I do think he'll be positive for the New York real estate market. I think he'll be positive for real estate as a whole. Um, you know, he is a big believer in real estate and infrastructure and 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 growth. Um, you know, I think he is pro New York, although you know New York might not be pro him. He is a New Yorker, but I, I don't I don't think that you know people are going to want to buy here because you know. Donald Trump developed here. They're going to want to. Why would you say that? Why here. Why would you say New York may not be pro Trump? Um, I mean, New York as a state is, is, is uh, you know, it, it is certainly, um, you know, w- was more pro-Hillary than, than pro-Donald Trump. Oh, I got sure. you. Just in general. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, talk to me about um, foreign investors a little bit. What percentage of your market of the money coming in to buy apartments, lease apartments, whatever it may be, is coming, you know, from other countries? Once again, it depends on, on where the area is. If it's, you know, if it's in Manhattan on 57th Street, um, you know, to one of the six, seven thousand dollar foot properties, um, you know, you might have more foreign investors than, you know, a more localized lower Manhattan development project. Um, so it really varies. Um, we do see a lot of foreign money that does come into New York, um, you know, both, you know, from Asia, from South America, from, you know, parts of Europe. We, they come here because we're, we're a lot safer than every other place in the country and, and most places in the world right now. Um, so people want to park their money here. They feel more comfortable here. The market has historically grown, even if it's taken a dip and you've been able to withstand any, any, you know, any sort of um, downturn. Uh, you know, the market in New York is, you know, you can never look at a seven to 10 year period where it hasn't rebounded and come back even stronger. You know, like you referenced from 2007, I don't think that there's a property out there from 2007-8 that's not more desirable than it is now. And there's very few, you know, there are a lot of, there are very, um, there, there are uh, places in, in the U.S. that you could say that, but the majority of them, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. So um, New York is a great market. 
you know, it's very vibrant. Um, we have a lot of culture, a lot of history. Um, you know, you know, for all intents and purposes, we're the financial capital of, of the country. Um, you know, and, and I don't think any of those things are going to change. Hmm. What do you do? You see any other areas of the nation where that is true as well? Yeah, parts of California, um, certain parts of of um, Miami. You know, those are really the the markets that I've that I follow. Um, you know, most of our business is, is here in New York, so I'm not maybe the best person. But you know, I know if if I speak to people in in other areas, or you know, even in you know, I own a property upstate. Um, you know, that property is, is is not you know increased in value off of where it was during the last recession. Oh, okay, so it's it's worth the same amount it was at the peak in two thousand seven. You're saying exactly. So it, it just it depends. It depends. York, yeah, yeah. New York City prime, um, you know, has definitely um, you know increasing value from the downturn. Interesting. So the cool part about this is you used to be a real estate agent, right? Yes. And you know, when we talked before the show. You know, you were known for your skills in the listing arena and you thought you could add some value to our listenership here as to, you know, tips and techniques on how to list effectively. Yeah. So, so, you know, just kind of, you know, when we spoke prior, kind of the first thing that came to my mind was, um, you know, a lot of real estate agents, they call and, and they want to get the exclusive from, a, from an owner. Um, you know, I, I kind of taken a different approach where, my thought process was is that if I did a good job for them, um, I wouldn't have to ask them. They would want me to do it. So that's really been my 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 approach. And, you know, from what started 10 years ago is still the same today. And I'm still not out there, you know, pounding the, the pavement, you know, trying to beat, you know, break people's door down to, you know, give me the listing. Um, you know, what what I do today is the same thing I did 10 years ago, which was. Um, I do a good job for my clients. I, um, I go above and beyond. I, I, I'm not, you know, asking them to, you know, make me the only person that represents their property. Um, I want them to, you know, a lot of times what I'll tell them is, you know, let me do a good job for you. Make sure that both you and I work well together. And if that's the case, I'm sure you'll want to, you'll want me to represent every one of your properties. And that's kind of been the approach that I've t always taken and it's worked. You know, if you do a good job by people, it's a service business. Um, I think a lot of real estate agents forget that part, but we are in a service related business. If you do well by your clients, if you service them properly, there's no reason for them to go work somewhere else. So I think a lot of it comes down to your strategy of, of what to do. Um, you know, just kind of the first thing that comes to my mind, um, you know, hearing myself even talk is that, you know, you just have to have full transparency. You need to keep people updated. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, if, if the one thing that gets me most upset with, with all the properties we have, um, is the reporting, um, you know, if reports aren't sent out on a daily basis, a weekly report isn't generated. It, it gets me crazy. Um, I think transparency is a huge thing. I represent a lot of properties and, you know, if I, if I, if I wasn't transparent with them, it would be impossible. I, I get daily reports. Um, I'm overseeing 10,000 properties. I know what's happening in every one of my buildings at every given moment. Um, you could literally go down the list of properties. I could tell you 
which apartments have sold, how much they've sold for, what are the issues in each building, what properties have been leased, how many, what's the issues. Um, it's all done by by the traffic report. So I'm a real big believer in, in, in updating your owners, regardless if they want to be updated. Um, it, it, it makes it a lot easier. So, you know, I, I require that each property, a property um, update gets sent out on a daily basis at the same time every, every day. Um, it gets your, your owners accustomed to reading them at a certain time. Um, it also gives you the ability to um, give them feedback from potential buyers, renters, whoever it might be. Um, the true feedback, so it's not necessarily coming from you, it's coming from, from the renter, what their feedback, or the, the, the buyer, what their feedback is. So I'm a, a big, big believer in um, reporting, which um, is the best way to be 100% transparent. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And I can see real estate agents from around the world, you know, taking this to heart by saying sending out reports with, you know, how many Zillow, uh, how many people looked at it on this website, how many people looked at it on this website, that website, if anybody showed it, if anybody called about it. There's certainly things that you can report that are daily. I think that a lot of agents say, oh, well, once a week we call or once a week we send out this. But thinking like how Andrew is thinking guys and think like what can I send out what statistics can I send out on a daily basis where the client is like holy dirt you know they're thinking about me every day yeah I mean the only thing that's better than a report that's fully detailed with comments and a lot of feedback from prospective buyers or renters is one that has no feedback and and, and no showings and and those are extremely important as well because if you're marketing and you're advertising and you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing and you're not driving in traffic, what's the reason for that? So, you know, I'm a big believer in regardless of the amount of showings, the amount of traffic, good, bad, or in between, you need to show that report. I don't care if, you know, somebody, uh, you know, move their bowels in front of the door. It, 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 you know, it, it's required to go in the report, get cleaned up and, and, and for us to move on. So, um, you know, I'm a, a big, big believer in them. If you were to ask any of my people what my biggest pet peeve, it would be reporting. Interesting. And through massive reporting, that's how you've been able to provide tremendous customer service where they want you versus you wanting them. Is that what you're saying? It's it, it's not just through that. That's one of, of many things. Ultimately, we're in the service business. So if, if we do a good job by somebody, um, it's a very, you know, although New York is, is a big place, it, it's a very small industry. And everybody knows one another. Um, you know, I walked in to get a new project the other day. They're they're call, calling up all my um, all my current clients. And, you know, everybody knows everybody. So it's a very, very small industry. Um, at the end of the day, if you do a good job by people, they're happy with you, you're successful, you deliver what you, you said you're going to deliver, you keep them informed, um, and you do a good job, you're going to get, you know, repeat business and, and continued business from them. So that's something we really pride ourselves on. We don't lose customers. We, we get them into our system. We keep them forever. And, and that's something we take a lot of pride in. And, and uh, you know, a big part of our success is that, you know, some of the biggest clients in New York continue to keep working with us. That's awesome. Well, listen, Andrew, I'm going to put all of your information as well as a link to MNS on hybendigital.com backslash. And I'm going to make this easy, guys. I'm going to make it real easy. I'm going to just put MNS hybendigital.com backslash 
M-N-S. And, or you could sim- simply go to the search bar and type in Andrew. Uh, we've had several other Andrews on the phone, but the last name is Baracus, and it's B-A-R-R-O-C-A-S. That's B-A-R-R-O-C-A-S. Andrew, thanks so much for coming on the show. Best of luck to you with all your New York City real estate endeavors, and uh, certainly next time in New York City, we can uh, get together, maybe break some bread. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Pat. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.